Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pipelineology. Today I am excited to be joined by keynote speaker, founder, and CEO of C-Level Partners, Johnny Lee Reynoso. Johnny Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. Appreciate the time and I love the show. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for this one. I I cuz it we're going to be covering a topic that I know scares the crap out of a lot of people, even seasoned sales professionals uh, like to shy away from this one. Uh, but before we jump into that, for anybody who's not familiar with you or C-Level Partners, could you just give a little bit about your story and background? Absolutely. Johnny Lee Reynoso again, um, born and raised Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, you know, in 2013, my family and I relocated here to South Florida, sunny South Florida. And, um, you know, I've always been a, you know, kind of outgoing, um, you know, loud, kind of like the ham of the room kind of guy, born first generation. My uh, mother's from Portugal, father from Peru, and <clears throat> they met in college here in Connecticut. And uh, anyways, I've always been this outgoing guy, this guy that just always liked to talk to everybody, again, be the ham in the room, be the loud one and whatnot. And uh, I, that pretty much, you know, just wrote my script. It was, you know, I'm, I'm a sales guy, right? That's what uh, I thought I was early on in my early, early teenage years. I was uh, very much into always trying to transact and make money. And, um, you know, there's different, there's a bio out there of me that talks about, uh, that's in a, a quick book that I wrote in the past that talks about, you know, what I've done in terms of like, even from age two, wanting to transact and stuff and sell my bike. And I didn't even know what I was doing. My mother has photos of me putting a zero on something and trying to sell that. And because I, I didn't know what other number to write, but I just knew there was a way to make some money because my father's always been in business, cash businesses, you know, like, you know, retail kind of stuff. And uh, I've always seen that. So anyways, it just kind of carried through to my professional life. At an early age, I got into sales, um, uh, got into banking in terms of, uh, you know, real estate loans, and I was in mortgages and I had a great career doing that, uh, relocated with a company down here in sunny South Florida uh, while doing that. And then obviously the boom, right? So it was the, uh, or the, uh, or the big, uh, the big bang rather, right? The housing market crashed and, you know, you know, folks were losing everything. And I happened to be in that market. And as I was looking around kind of thinking, okay, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go? Um, you know, I've always thought about this idea of being a management consultant of uh, the uh, this whole concept of being in consulting was was a way to uh, you know help businesses grow. I always found that intriguing and for selling professional services just by way of networking and knowing folks. I knew there was some you know some 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 good uh, earnings to be had in that industry. So found my way into that space. Um, again, you know, no connections in it. I was you know fairly new, about a year in Florida, and uh, came across an opportunity to work for a management consulting firm. Got in there and, you know, I was like, look, I want to be an outside sales guy, right? I want to sell to high level executives services and what it is that, that you all, that we all now can do. And um, long story short, I was told, no, 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 salt and pepper here, rusty, you know, Rolex and a, and a, and a scratched up Mont Blanc pen, maybe we'll let you hit the road then. You can't sit across the table from a CEO and tell him how to do his business, how to run his business, how to improve his business. Um, if you don't, uh, if you don't actually have that kind of, you know, uh, experience, if you will, in mileage in your career. So I said, okay, um, like anything in my life, every time I hear no, I turn it around and say, okay, I'm going to show you kind of thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but it was a blessing because I was asked to, you know, work with the inside team and, and do some outbound calling for the consulting firm. And I learned quickly uh, a lot about what consulting is all about, but also I learned that you know, I was not an inside salesperson. I was an outside salesperson. So I thought, and, and I burned and I crashed and I failed like early on quickly when I was in the game, uh, cause I was an outside sales guy. And, uh, I, that's how I made my money. That's how I made my career. I was early in management. It was exciting for me. And, um, uh, it wasn't until I sat with a business coach, uh, a gentleman that I've worked with in the past who said, look, I don't know what you're doing, you know, being on the phone, being on the phone and also, you know, being out in the field is the same thing. Uh, and you have to bring that same level of talent, that same level of, 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 of persistency and of consistency and of success and of happiness. It's contagious. You have to bring that on the phone as well. And um, so I started thinking more about it. And uh, as I was making these changes uh, on the phone, boom, it was like night and day. It was tremendous success. 
And um, so I, I had success doing that, which I'm sure we'll get into more in terms of the idea of cold calling and had tremendous success there. Um, double digit growth, triple digit growth. The company grew year over year over year over year from you know 18 million to north of 100 million. And at that point, um, after all those years, I said, okay, now's the time. Uh, with uh, with my colleague who was uh, you know the number one sales guy there as well, uh, and extremely a key you know architect to the design of our methodology today. Um, you know at Sea Level Partners, we left in uh, December of 13, January of 14, launched the firm Sea Level Partners. We haven't turned back. We've grown. We're global, and we're working with a lot of organizations, um, bringing their product or service to market. So, so what do we do at Sea Level Partners? Is we help companies expand their footprint and get in front of the buyers, their ideal buyer, their ideal customer. Uh, we help them get in front of them by way of cold calling, by way of getting these leaders on the phone, articulating the value proposition, articulating the why, getting them interested, and then ultimately translating that into a you know, 30, 45 minute hour call, let's say via Zoom like this, where, you know, they can have their interaction and be able to, you know, sell their services, the at bat moment, right? Well, that's, that's great. So yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm definitely looking forward to kind of talking about cold calling on this one, because I know so many people, they, they either hate it, or they're scared of it, they don't want to do it, they avoid, you know, they'll, they'll do anything to avoid putting it off and reorganize their desk for the, you know, the fifth time that day. But at the end of the day, it's when done well, one of those things that can really bring in, as you said, gets you in front of the, the right people because you get to target the people you're looking for versus like an ad campaign that brings in whoever <laughs> with, with cold calling, you're, you're reaching out to the right people you, from the beginning. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, it amazes me because many organizations out there are always you know, or sales leaders, I can say, right, are always talking about, you know, needing to adapt the new technology, needing, needing to bring in the new, you know, and, and listen, with all due, there's a lot of great tools out there, right? I'm a firm believer in, in, you know, cast a wide net, right? Don't just do one thing, do a lot of different things to try to generate revenue, to try to, you know, increase your organization and capture the footprint that you're looking for in the new logos and client acquisition process. But this notion that cold calling doesn't work, it's crazy, right? And it's twofold. It's crazy in one hand, and I love to talk about why it's crazy, and I have a lot of proof and reasons why it is. it, it works. And on the other hand, I love that people keep saying that because that's what allows us to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow because that's what we do. So when people stop doing something that works and we continue to improve and refine and, and execute to what they don't want to do anymore, we win and companies that work with us end up growing. And you know, we're excited to always say that we you know present today, our clients all report a minimum of 28 to one return because we get them in front of those ideal buyers, right? So, you know, with me, it all, you know, and you're hundred percent right, right? This, this idea if and they're right as well, that it doesn't work, it, they're right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because of what they're doing doesn't work, right? Like I tried golfing. I get out there, I grab a, a you know, a club and I start swinging and I, it, it doesn't work. Well, what doesn't work? The club? or the player, <laughs> right? So I say to my business partner, when we, we, you know, he tried taking me out every, 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 any chance he gets, he wants to take me out to the golf course and he wants to show me it. And I go, it, just, it, it, it doesn't work. What doesn't work, right? So the club or me, right? Well, I could say the club doesn't work, but that doesn't make sense. Obviously it's me. So then I find every reason why. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a physical athlete. I'm a soccer player. I'm a tennis player. I'm a this, I'm a that. I need to move around. Okay, I'm creating all of these excuses, right? Which you know, I'm going to tie this back to the, our, our discussion, creating all of these limited beliefs, these limited beliefs, because if you try something and you get the wrong outcome, now all of a sudden, it's actually a real result. So if you have a bad outcome, what you're doing is you're reinforcing what you initially thought, which is it doesn't work. So if you tell somebody that it works and they believe it doesn't work and they make a call and it doesn't work and they make a call and it doesn't work again, and they make their fourth call and they get hung up on and they get embarrassed or they get frustrated. Then they get up and go tell their managers or they go tell their spouses or they tell themselves in the mayor, I knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah, because you never really did it correctly because you never got the training and development to do it right because you never executed correctly. So what you just did was you already had a preconceived notion of something. Now your results, because of the action you took, 
right? The action you took was not correct. So because the action you took was not correct and the result was negative, now you reinforced why it doesn't work and that's it. Nobody could change your mind because guess what? We all get to keep the limitations that we choose to defend, right? So whether you want to talk about it as a business strategy, guess what? It's a limitation. It's a limitation that your team, your organization, and I say this to a lot of clients that, that, that we work with, that they choose to own and they don't want to let it go. Because it's also like dieting. It's very simple when we look at dieting. Caloric intake in and out. But everybody's chasing the what? The magic pill, the magic bar, and they don't want to do the hard work to look at what works sustainably. You could do a quick fix, like what? Like buy a program that sends 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 emails, and you might get a click-through. You might improve your content, and you might get a click-through of 1, 2, 3, or 4% which will, you know, yeah, have a little uptick in your sales, but is it sustainable? I mean, how creative do we have to get in our content? What kind of jokes and mannerisms do we have to use in order to get people? And oh, by the way, have you done the research to see who your audience really is? And do they really spend the time looking at their emails? Do they have gatekeepers that protect them from those and they delete all those solicitations that come through. You see, so you got all these things, but everybody wants that quick fix, right? So with dieting, everybody wants the quick pill, the quick diet, the easy, easy, easy. When it comes to sales, it's the same thing. And organizations are losing a ton of money when they buy into this concept that they just got to get better at their content. I believe, do it, like I said early on. But this, this whole thing of all in on social media or all in on LinkedIn or all in on landing pages and email campaigns and drip campaigns and predictive dollars with voicemails, folks, you're losing a ton of money out there because I guarantee if you just had the right methodology in place, you could execute on the phone. Well, that's that's great. I, I, I love kind of hearing that from people still because I know, right, all those other things are the, the sexy, exciting things, you know, the content, the social media, you know, and, you know, my company, we do that stuff too. Uh, but I'll tell you, I look at the end, you know, if I look at my end of month reports, outbound still, still leads all the other categories in terms of where, where the people who pay us money come from. Yeah. We get leads from everywhere, but the people who really want the product, you know, stuff we offer too, same thing. We, we do it by outbound prospecting. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Outbound prospecting is where it's at. I mean, just think about it. You're, you, 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 and then, and then look at today's model too. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you get the same in LinkedIn, how many LinkedIn solicitations you get. I don't know. I'm up to probably 15 a day now. It is ridiculous. In fact, I've already sent emails out. I'd sent something to my IT guy saying, is there something we could add to my LinkedIn? I mean, I want to be open and I want to be public in terms of LinkedIn because I appreciate getting connected to a lot of other professionals, but it stinks when you constantly get these solicitations or you get somebody that looks legit, that wants to connect with you and seconds after you accept their connection, boom, you get hit with an email of how great they are. And then what's the magic thing at the end? Click on my calendar to schedule something, buddy. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Wait, you want to sell me something, but then you want me to schedule the day I want you to sell me something, right? Now, you know, and the notion of sales, right? Selling. To me, cold calling is a sale. Even though there's no monetary transaction at the moment in time, it is a sale because you have to be so much, you have to be driven with so much value. You have to be able to articulate the value proposition at such a high degree in order for that person on the other line to give you their currency of time. See, people don't look at it that way. They go into these things just like an idea of, all right, I make a bunch of cold calls, right? I spoke to a guy recently. He said to me on the phone, he goes, look, you know, I did a lot of cold calls early on in my career. I'm looking for a different role. That's great. I appreciate that. But he, for some reason, he equated that, that, that the role of cold calling was beneath him. But then he called himself a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sales executive. I love selling. But you got to learn how to cold call because whether it's a cold call or you get in front of a prospect for the first time and you got to be able to quickly know how to block and tackle and adapt to those conversations, you got to be able to win. So you have to learn how to cold call. You have to learn how to capture your audience. You have to learn how to speak with value so you can continue to earn the additional five to 10 seconds on the phone with that person. Or when you're in person, the additional 10, 20, 30 seconds to keep their attention. You see, people lose focus on that. And that's why when they think cold calling is just, well, I'll get green people here. I'll get freshly minted grads. I'll get, you know, whatever kind of people on the phones to cold call. 
Now I'm talking about professional services, right? So software companies, technology companies, expensive widgets, seven-figure type services, whether it's consulting services, right? Obviously, you got the big McKenzie's of the world where their name could allow them to walk into any door. But when you're talking about other consulting firms, right, these spinoffs of these larger top four or five firms, even accounting firms, they need the support to get in front of these people, right? And that's what we do. So you got to learn when you get these people on the phone, the value that you articulate in terms of the benefit of getting on the phone in a week or two for 35, 40, 45 minutes on, via Zoom, they're going to gain so much value from that call that it's worth the currency of their time. So I always tell people, even though we're not selling anything and we're not getting you know, a credit card you know, over the phone or whatever the case is, you're still selling in the sense of, this is what we want to talk to you about in a week. Are you willing to give me that 45 minutes of time, which is the currency? And that exchange only happens when you're able to speak authoritatively and listen empathetically, which is the methodology that we've coined here and what we've trained folks on, even Fortune 500 companies with, which is S-A-L-E, right? Speak authoritatively, listen empathetically, right? Now, what does that mean is, a lot of things. We'll have to be here for you know hours and hours as I train people for a whole week, but I'll break it down simple. Speak authoritatively is all about knowing how to speak with the right level of tonality. Tonality is so critical, you see? Now imagine the folks who say cold calling doesn't work. And I tell them, buddy, we, we, we cold call and set over 250 meetings month over month, C-suite leaders in Fortune 500 companies for our clients across the globe. So how, how does it not work, right? <laughs> so of course it works, okay? And, and our clients, oh, they walk in from a cold call, 60, 90 days later, they report back, they just sold a 2.5, a $6.5 million deal. Whether it's a consulting engagement, whether it's a SaaS, whether it's a tech, you know, technology or whatnot. I mean, so it works, right? It works, right? So boiling back to this is when you speak authoritatively, you have to learn there's all about the power of persuasion in those conversations, right? Persuasions could be used as a bad, you know, sometimes people don't like the word persuasion, you know, the whole thing of, you know, I don't want to mislead. No, persuasion is not misleading. Because when we think about what is a sale, you see, people always go back to a sale is transaction. I think the dictionary says is the, the, the transaction of goods and titles and the transfer of title or property or goods or whatever. To me, a sale is to me, a sale is when I tell my daughter that I want her to make a cup of coffee for me, I would like for her to go make coffee in the morning or maybe go make me some oatmeal in the morning because I just got back from the gym and she's in the kitchen. That's a sale. Now, I could be an authoritative figure in the house and say, I'm daddy, you got to go make it for me right now, right? And yes, I know I could pull that card out. And I also, my children respect me and they'll probably do it even if I don't say it. But if I increase my tone a little bit and that authoritative you know, angle, yes, they will do, get it done. But a sale is when I go to her and I say, hey, sweetie, you look great this morning. How'd you sleep? I slept great. It's wonderful. Hey, I can't wait to take you to school. We're going to leave in 20 minutes. Go ahead and make daddy a little oatmeal, okay? Love you. I'm going to go run up and shower. That's a sale. Because why? I've taken a person who was going about their day, who was going about their actions, and I've now, by way of tonality, by way of expression, I have made that person move in the direction that I desire. That's a sale. To me, that's a sale. Getting the hostess to get you a table when they're booked out is a sale. Calling your doctor, getting him to make sure that he's got an opening for you on Friday when they're booked out is a sale. Convincing your spouse to go out for Chinese rather than Italian is a sale. <laughs> Hiring a new candidate, right, that has other options is a sale. Selling software is the sale. You see what I'm trying to say? Because you're having that person take action in the direction that you want, right? One could be time, the other one could be currency, cash, right, as well. So all of that to me is considered a sale. So when you get that conceptually, then you start to understand, okay, well, how do you do that over the phone when they don't see you and you can't move your gestures and you can't get them? It's your tonality. It's knowing how to utilize your tone and the wording that you use. Dr. Robert, I want to say it's Dr. Robert um, Cialdini, Cialdini, I think it is. He has a Cial, Cialdini. Yep. Cialdini. The, yep. six principle of us, the six principles of persuasion, I think it is, right? Reciprocity, commitment, social proof, liking, authority, scarcity. 
That's impressive that you know those off the top of your head. <laughs> because we train on that. It's part of our, it's actually part of the methodology. And I was told about this book when I was training somebody on this. They, they said, I didn't know you incorporated the six principles of persuasion in your pitch. And I said, what are you talking about? And how you talk to people. I said, no, what are you talking about? They said, you got to get the book. I got the book. I read it. I couldn't put it down, cover to cover. And I said, this is beautiful. Without knowing, we were using this. The concept of reciprocity. Right When you're cold calling people, the concept of reciprocity, what does that mean? The concept of making sure that the prospect that you're talking to has a belief or an understanding by way of what you shared with them, that others like themselves, actually that's social proof, I'm sorry, that others like themselves are doing and taking action that you're asking that person to do. Like if I say to you, hey, Gary, I got this great technology that podcast leaders like yourself have been able to implement to improve their overall X, Y, Z. Right. So podcast leaders like yourself, social proof. I got you in reciprocity. The idea of creating the uh, we want to give you so much great information, Gary, when we talk next week. You know, we look forward to sharing with you some great things about how we've been able to help podcast leaders like yourself truly optimize and grow your brand to the next level. Looking at the time here for next week, Tuesday, can we find, say, 45 minutes that afternoon? You see, there's reciprocity there. I am looking to give you so much great things. 45 minutes of your time. It's being the bank. I'm just giving you quick examples here, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, the commitment, the commitment concept of that when you're talking to somebody on the phone is, is to not, to not just say this day and time is when we're going to meet, but also to get them to agree to the day and time. So, so Gary, looking at next week, Tuesday, you know, 45 minutes or so in the afternoon, say it's two or three o'clock better for you, or would you prefer Thursday? And now you say Thursday, I say, okay, wonderful. Well, I have some flexibility Thursday. My day could be wide open on Thursday. But I'm going to give you a sense of how busy I am, but how important you are. You know, I do have some flexibility. Um, yeah, I can move some things around. I have some flexibility Thursday. What time are you thinking Thursday? Oh, two o'clock. Yep, I can make that. You know what? I'll make that work. I can move something a little earlier and make that work. Let's pause on that one for a second right there. You gave me the day and time that works for you. We got commitment because you're committing to that. You're telling me what works. So I'm already getting your commitment. The other part is I'm throwing in there is scarcity. The scarcity of my time is busy, but I'm willing to make it work for you. And I'm, I'm going to move something else that I have. What did I have? Maybe I had go to the gym at two o'clock that day. Of course I could move that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say, oh, I'm wide open that day. Yep, no problem. Yeah, we could do that. You see what I'm saying? But these are the little things, right, that we're talking about when we're speaking to somebody on the phone. It's knowing how to articulate the value proposition while utilizing the six key principles of persuasion in your tone and in the way you're expressing yourself, ultimately to sell that person, which is to take action, to take action to what you're looking for, which is schedule the meeting. You know, I think as you're kind of saying, you know, how to schedule a meeting with somebody is, is we, we find that works even, even during, you know, written communications too. We see that too, where if you offer some times to somebody or, you know, give them another day that works so much better than book some time on my calendar. And I think we, we talked about this during our first conversation before we had this, even that sending out calendar links is just just a miserable way to get appointments unless they ask if they ask for it that's different but if you said hey you know like, pleasure to meet you johnny lee here's my calendar let you know why don't you schedule some time it doesn't work we i've i you know i've had clients tell me kind of the same thing oh yeah just use my calendar link just use my calendar link just send it to them i said sure we can but do you, do you want appointments or do you just want to send the calendar link you know <laughs> so 100% right. Yeah, people aren't going to take action like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I always ask the, 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 the number one question, which is who's selling who, right? Who is selling who? Who is asking the other person to take the action that you so desire, right? And it's, and it's typically the service provider, the vendor, the person selling the product or service. So, so you know, do just do that little extra step. If, you, if your prospect is interested, or the best thing is when when, you know, even, you know, if you're at the end of a first meeting, as you said, or a cold call and the person says, yeah, we can find some time. Wonderful. I'm going to go send you a link. Somebody send that to me. I'm going to send you a link. Just pick a time that works for you. Oh, what? You took the time to tell me how great 
this next call could be and how much greatness do you want to share with me? And I'm willing to give you that time next week. And then you want me to now wait for your email to click something and then go and do that doesn't make any sense. And, the, or, or the, or the whole thing of, you know, when, when, and we have this happen with clients, even, right. We work so hard to get them in front of that chief operating officer at that large, you know, uh, uh, aerospace organization or whatever it is. And, and at the end of their meeting, there's mutual understanding that there's a need that 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 they have, and and the and the the consulting firm has the value that they can you know help them with. But at the end of the meeting, it's great. You know, I'll call you next week, and we could find time that works best for your calendar for you and your team. Then why not just why not book it right then and there? What are we doing? You know, it's just it's. I don't know. I don't know if it's just the technology has made people lazy and complacent. If it's if it's this, this idea that we feel this, this level of fear that if I come across and I ask for the day and time, they're going to think I'm desperate, I'm pushy. I don't see it that way. And I always tell people, you can never look at it that way. You got to look at it as a disservice if you don't. A disservice if you don't. If you don't go and get them to the counter and if you don't schedule the time, who might sell them what it is that they're looking for? A competitor? Let me ask you a question. Who's better off servicing them? You or the competitor? They always say, me, would you want them working? With no. If your family was in this business and they were going to talk to a competitor, would you allow them? No. What would you do if you introduced your services to your family member? Would you force them to say, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll make them take the next meeting. Well, why don't you do that with the total stranger that you just met? And, and, and it brings up another great whole thing that we kind of revamped a few years back that we started looking at is you got to fall in love with your customer. And that's, yeah, hyperbole, I'm over here sharing some BS with this kind of touchy-feely fall in love. Yes, I'm being real. And this isn't no new age wokeism, fall in love, kumbaya conversation. This is real <laughs> stuff. Fall in love with your customer. Because if you fall in love with your customer, you care about them. Don't fall in love with your product or service. Fall in love with your customer. Recognize that they have a need and that you need to deliver that need. And if you care about them, you want to help them every step of the way. You don't want them to click on Calendly. You don't want them to just email you back if, you're, if they're interested, right? I got a call from a, a, a close friend of mine. He called me about three times, back to back to back, like within an hour. I'm going, what the freak? What's wrong with this? I call just to tell me this fantastic restaurant in Miami that he went to, because he knows how much I like authentic Italian food. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why'd you call me three times to tell me this? Because he's a good friend of mine. He knows how much I like it. He doesn't even get any equity for you. There's no, he's not getting paid back for that. But that's how much he wanted to tell me. That's how we need to act with our, with our services. Fall in love with the customer, and we want to be able to help them along the way and not think about how great you are. And you know what? If they don't sign up, it's on them. If they don't buy from us, screw them. No, it doesn't work that way. Not in today's world. You won't be able to win. You won't be the top 1% in your company or you won't be the top 1% in your industry if that's the way the sales team, you know, operates. You know, I, I hear you, you know, saying that and that kind of, it makes me think of like the cold calls I get where maybe it's, you know, I registered a domain or something and it's clear at some call center and it doesn't matter where India, Pakistan, Philippines, some, some place where if find you know, you answer the phone, somebody clicks in, you know, kind of monotone. You can tell they're reading from a script. You can hear stuff in the background. Hey, you know, we'll help you build your website. Are you interested in that? You, they, they have no, no connection. They have no engagement to what they're saying, what they're trying to offer. They, they don't care. They're, they're just, they're just there to, you know, dial stuff and, hit whatever number they're supposed to, they don't, they don't care at all whether you say yes or not. Yeah. That's, you that's, know. that's a, you know, them doing that and that company sending 5,000 emails is the same exact thing. They, they know that the click through in, or the, or the conversion cold call to converted opportunity is so minimal because that's how they operate. But then again, the cost of labor is tremendously low and that's what you're going to get, unfortunately. Right. Um, you know, I do my best to respect every call that I get like that as well. But boy, it could be a bit hectic sometimes. You know, you just get it. You're like, who's calling me? And then, you know, normally they try to get really close to your zip code and phone number or whatever. And you start thinking, is this somebody I probably know from back at home or who knows what? And then then you get you realize, OK, I've just been duped. And typically they're using a telephony system that, like you say, you know, you could hear the background noises or it, it pauses and beeps as it connects. And, you know, right away, OK, 
All right, let me see how fast I can hang up the phone, right? But um, but yeah, I mean, in that in that area of cold calling, you know, B two C stuff, it's very, you know, look, obviously our methodology and what we've been able to do here at C Level Partners can work in any kind of industry agnostic, buyer, target agnostic, it doesn't matter. But you know, we don't we don't waste we we don't waste our time entertaining B two C stuff. You know, our focus has always been B two B, and and that's really what has allowed us to win. I mean, just think about it, taking a no name firms. No name firms, consulting firms, technology firms, software firms that are from startup. Some of them are large billion dollar organizations that we work with as well. But I'm talking about even like the startups that nobody knows taking these organizations and allowing them to have a seat at the table to articulate their software, their ERP system. And they're going up against some of the largest conglomerates out there. And oh, by the way, because of their innovation, because of their technology, because of their you know, ingenuity and that they're backed by a VC firm for 50, 60, 70, hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? They're ready to be a contender at that table, right? They just need the opportunity. And, and many companies are failing at that because they're relying on, you know, before used to be trade shows, right? Obviously COVID made a little bit of a change there. They're I'm assuming that more and more are going to come back, but it used to be like this, you know, what's your marketing budget? Oh, it's 250,000 for this year, 200,000 trade show. You do it at a trade show. You're gonna put a booth up. What are you gonna do at a trade show? I mean, oh, well, people come by and get information. You know how many buyers of what we do come to these trade shows? Yeah, but how many of them do you have their undivided attention? I mean, nowadays these trade shows is all about what kind of, you know, what kind of eye candy and alcohol is all around. Nobody's nobody's <laughs> selling anything. They're just talking. What are we doing? Two hundred thousand dollar budget, three hundred thousand marketing, two hundred thousand is gonna go to trade shows. One hundred thousand is gonna go to what? You know, and so it's just, it's, it just, it, it's, it's crazy, but you know what? Again, like I said, it's, it's crazy, but great at the same time for us, but it's also very concerning because, you know, more and more we're finding it difficult as well when we're talking to people, because people reach out to us, they hear about us. They, you know, we've, we've grown tremendously by, by referral, which has been great, but people reach out to us and say, I heard you guys do this with a kind of like, yeah, right tone. You know, I talked to somebody who works here and they said, you guys have done this for them, but how, what do you mean? How, you know, and, and we try to make it seem like this is just what we do. And, you know, unfortunately this notion of it's too good to be true. Look, we're not here to say, we promise you to get every single person you want. Right. But the way the model works is we have a healthy portfolio, a healthy industry to go after. And we're going to capture greater than 50% of them for meetings on the phone. And then we're going to continue to work on the other 40 to 50%. And those are going to take a little bit more time and nurturing because it's just like being a professional thief, right? You got to study the movement of these executives. You got to know when to call, how to call early morning, late afternoon, on the hour, before five minutes before, but five minutes after, if the assistant is going to be there or not. Is the executive assistant, you know, typically there at eight and leaves at five, call at 7.30, maybe at 5.15, you know, you know, all of these, you know, the way it works. But again, people think like, okay, we need an inside sales team. We hire people, we put them here. They work eight to five, here, dial. Or we want to get meetings with these people. Send emails. Oh, great. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to, you have to, you have to dial with intention and how strategic are you, right? Are you ready with your pitch and the methodology of that? Like we use sale uh, or, or, or is it just, you know, Hey, I want to send you an email. You know, many people say, I want to, I do cold calling and they call them just to say, I'm going to send you an email, right? What are we doing? Who's better at <laughs> articulating your value proposition, a well-written email or you, right? So that's the, that's the, that's the thing about, you know, cold calling. So when people say it doesn't work, I say, well, because you just haven't done it the right way. Have you found that with uh, with more people working from home and being more distributed instead of all one office, that that's had any any impact on your uh, ability to connect, whether good or bad, for you to reach people? It actually is. So at first, that's a great question. So at first we were, you know, obviously we came from a world where a lot of the meetings were in person opportunities that we were going after for our clients. Um, and then all of a sudden you have this, you know, boom, right. Come through this pandemic and it changed, it changed the model where we were probably 80% in person, 20%, you know, video conference or conference calls as a whole to now hundred percent calls. Um, 
And, uh, and then obviously this whole, you know, everybody was displaced, right? So you went from being in your office to being at home, how you get them, right? So the first thing we did was we kind of looked at it and said, okay, most of these organizations that we're going after are sophisticated enough to quickly triage and have their, their employees, their, their, you know, executives work from home. Um, most of them are going to have the executive's phone forward right to their mobile number because executives aren't like, you know, maybe lower level type managers that have the telephony system of the company that wear the headsets at times that have all these, you know, the executives, when you're looking at C-suite leaders or EVPs, SVPs and higher level VPs, these folks, you know, they tend to be a little bit more nimble because they're, they're busy, they're doing things, they're moving a lot. And they have a phone that they deal with. Typically it's first, you know, previewed by their assistant and then gets forwarded over to them if, they're, if their assistant is blocking the calls. So what we did was we just doubled down on the, on the, on the investment of data while also doubling down on the investment of effort. So saying, okay, we need to go out and get more data. So we need to get more information from, about these folks, right? From LinkedIn information all the way through to, if we can capture mobile numbers and direct dials and extensions for, for, for these executives. But also, you know, let's not be afraid to just call them at their place of business because it's gonna get forwarded. So we, we saw a little dip, but it, I think the dip was more caused by us because then we immediately saw a rebound to that and we were getting people on the phone. We were getting actually a lot more people on the phone um, than we were previously to that because people were picking up because they didn't know who was calling because their phone used to ring 40 times a day. COVID hit, it went down to 15 times a day because all the solicitors did what, right? Fight or flight, you know what I mean? They were like, what are we going to do? Are we going to fight or flight? A lot of them flew, right? You know, or they failed. So it's, it's this whole thing, right? So, so with us is, um, you know, we just, we just knew how to capture them on the phone and really have a chance to, to have even a longer talk time. Our talk time went up by 1.6, one minute and six seconds, which is a lot when you talk about cold calling, right? Um, because folks were taking the time to talk to us a little bit more, which was fun and exciting for us as well. We were able to capture more. Now with that also came you know, well, were you able to get that many meetings because people were dealing with the pandemic and even still today, right? There's this uncertainty, what's coming next, the next variant, who knows why, right? The world, by the way, they need to shut the TV and the media off. Media is meant to program people and create fear in the marketplace. They thrive off of that. Um, so we just gotta be, we gotta be free from that and focus on what our commitment and what our you know, obligations are to ourselves and to our firm and to our shareholders as a whole. So with that, we spoke to the executives that way, right? Look, we understand that COVID-19 is here. We understand that we're in very unprecedented times. This is not about whether or not uh, we could get engaged with you today or tomorrow. This is more about now's the time during this unprecedented time to really have an opportunity to learn more about how we've been able to work with leaders like yourself and truly impact your industry so that when we come out of this, you know, we come out of this well-equipped, but also well-positioned with the resources that we need at hand to truly expand and to go to the next level. Right. So it went from like, hey, we want to talk to you about maybe one day working with you to, buddy, now's the time to have the discussions. Now's the time to talk. Now's the time to understand who's who and why. And it worked. It worked a lot for our clients. We're very excited to say that it worked very well for us. So we're, you know, it's, uh, you know, like my business partner, Scott, likes to say all the time, you know, we were, you know, if that was the bottom, oh boy, you know, let's go. <laughs> So when you're doing the, the calls, I'm curious how you approach uh, dealing with you know, assistants or gatekeepers. Uh, do you uh, find ways to get around them or do you, do you work with them to get your calls put through? Great question. So, so uh, one of the things that we have here internally is we have this little saying, we say, listen, we, don't, we do not pitch the assistants. We do not pitch the assistant. We do not pitch whoever is not a target. So there's no pitching. Meaning, what's a pitch? I don't mean the script. I mean, we don't even get into the value proposition because at that point, what I'm doing at that point is I'm I. Now, this is us, right? At that point, you're giving that person enough authority to start to understand whether or not you're worth their bosses or their colleagues' time. And that's not what I'm going to do because I'm already deeming you not worth being the person to be the one who say whether or not I'm worth their time. So if that's understood and we have the belief that we're talking peer to peer with these executives, I don't mean be dismissive and be rude and talk down. That's not what I'm saying. 
you be respectful and you're kind and courteous, but you're speaking authoritatively and you're listening empathetically. So what do I mean by speak authoritatively and listen empathetically to an assistant? Let's just pretend like, you know, there's an assistant, um, uh, Pam, and you're the executive Gary. Okay. So, you know, Pam answers the phone. Hey, Pam, Johnny here. Is Gary in? Uh, no, he's not. Who's this? Right away, right? And right away, they want to ask the right question, right? Because they want to own control. And if I answer just who am I and I don't say anything else, they're in the driver's seat. They're controlling the conversation. They're going to dictate the narrative. And I don't want that to happen. So right away, I say, oh, it's Johnny. No worries. Is he going to be in later this afternoon? You see, even the tone there, right? Is he going to be in later this afternoon? Uh, he's actually, because the way I did it, I replied, but I answered, I replied, I answered, and I questioned right away with a nice tone. And typically, unless they're super well-trained and uber ready for these things, right? They typically go, well, no, he, he's, he's, he's tied up until 5.30 today. And then they follow up with another question. What is this regarding? Oh, no, it isn't urgent. In fact, I, okay, no worries. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and send them an email then, and I'll, uh, I'll try to send him an email or else I'll circle back with him. You know, if he's in tomorrow morning and she might say, yes, he's in tomorrow. Okay, wonderful. And I just back out of the call. I never said who I'm, who, who I'm calling from, what, why I'm calling. It's speaking authoritatively. I don't have time to sit here and, and, and you know, carry on a conversation with you, Pam. All right, I'm, I'm about aboard, you know, a 757, I gotta go. I need to talk to him about a deal. We got to get going. So is he there? So now, what did I capture from that discussion though, Gary? That you're there and you're busy till when? Five. <laughs> Bingo. Who am I going to call back at 5.15? Smart. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and say, hi, Pam, my name is Johnny with C-Level Partners. How are you today? Wonderful. Hey, look, we're a professional business development firm. We've been wanting to get a hold of Gary for some time. What's the best way for us to do that? What the freak? Who else is going to do that? Everybody else. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll let everybody else deal with that. Right. And then I call That's... him up and I get the meeting or I call him up. And then at least I know right away he's there till five. And guess what? What else did she tell me? He's there tomorrow. So now I already know. Call him today at 5, 515, 5.30, you know, two, three times, and call him the next day early in the morning, 7.30, because executives tend to get in there earlier in the morning. I mean, you know, we got to know professional thieves. Why do I say professional thieves? Is because, you know, growing up, I had a family member who, who was a business owner, a lot of cash transactions, and net-net is, you know, he, um, he would have cash in his house. And um, these professional thieves must have known his business and his lifestyle, and they literally knew. Uh, my godfather would leave the house at a certain time. My godmother would be home and then she would leave the house at a certain time to go get my cousin. And then they would come back. She would come back at a certain time. Then my godfather would come back. So in between she leaving to go grab my cousin from school at the time, obviously we were all younger and she coming back from school, there was 45 minutes to the T. They went into the house. They debolted the safe. They used the restroom without flushing and they made themselves a sandwich. That's a professional thief. That's a professional thief. Okay. I mean, the police was like, this has got to be an inside job. You sure family, family? No, that was a professional. And they ended up getting caught because they used something to, that got found somewhere else. And they sold something, I think, to poncho. Net net is, that's a professional thief. We have to be professionals at business development. Study your study, understand. And again, this works for when you're going after high level executives, you know, if you're trying to spray and pray dial for dollars, oh, well, let's figure it out. It's a different story, but then you're trying to also maybe increase cable and sell another magazine or do something like that. If you're trying to sell, you know, high ticket items, that makes sense. Organizations have to invest in a methodology. I always say, what's the methodology? If you don't have a methodology, how do you expect your team to grow in sales? And it works like we just talked about with assistance, with the executives when you have on the phone, and even with colleagues that you're speaking with. In other words, if I'm talking, if I want to speak with Gary, but I speak with, but for some reason, um, you know, I, I call and the number gets transferred to a, to a Tom, right? Hey, Tom, I, I'm sorry. I was getting transferred to Gary. This seems to happen a lot when I get transferred, but for some reason, I need to speak with Gary. Is he in? 
and the person might go, oh, let, let me see. You know what? Before you transfer me and I get let go again, what is his mobile number? I want to make sure I have it here correctly. And they might give it to me. And bingo. Let's go. Right? You see, knowing how to... Knowing how to take your business seriously, though, and thinking outside the box and go to the next level. And this is the one part that people fail because they don't, they don't look beyond what their role and responsibility is. They think, okay, I got a cold call and I guess what I got to do, right? And, and those folks, unfortunately, you know, they end up paying the price of, of, of greater success and the organization does as well. And I look at it as like, you know, I got I to gotta get this over with, you know, <laughs> I got to do it. But, you know, how do I get it done as quickly as possible? And then I can say I, I did it. It didn't work. And, you know, go do something else versus how, how do I do it well? So I have, I guess, I have one more question here. I know we're starting to run out of time, but how do you how do you start a conversation with somebody? Let's say you, you get to the executive. I would love some insight on how you actually start that conversation to keep them from hanging up. Absolutely. And if you start doing this and have great success, you got to go ahead and put it out there in the marketplace and say, Johnny, Johnny's Johnny's pitch is great. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the whole pitch, but I'll get into like the introduction, really, because the methodology is the pitch, right? In many ways, right? Part of the methodology is the framework of how we speak to somebody. So when we say speak authoritatively, you know, you want to be able to speak in a way that the person feels comfortable already. So psychologists have already proven that asking somebody, how are you? is something that common folks of everyday world crossing in the street, passing each other in a store or at a grocery store, wherever, is, is common for strangers. How are you? Right? But, our, and I, I'm not a psychologist and I don't have any exact fine print data, but I can tell you these things because I've seen tremendous uptake when I'm training folks on this and we measure this, increases of 20 to 30% of keeping people on the phone from being a cold call to actually having the ability to articulate why you're calling the value proposition of the call. Make sense? So this one question, Gary picks up the phone. Hello, Gary. Actually, I'm gonna give you one trick here. Hello, Gary. Gary, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> appreciate that, Gary. Sorry about that, Gary. I don't know if you, if you were able to hear me or not. How have you been? How have you been? Your brain files that as somebody I know at some point. How have you been? I'm not saying how have you been since the last time we spoke. I'm saying, how have you been? How have you been? How have you been? How have you been? Simple, huge increase in keeping that person still on the phone rather than, hi, Gary. Gary, how are you? Johnny here. It just doesn't work but it also goes with the tone. Now, the reason why I like to pause and ask somebody, hello, Gary, hey, Gary, can you hear me? Is because I'm getting you to now start to say something to me. Let's break it down to this, this simple term. My voice is commanding you to give me a yes. Answer, okay. Gary, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. You can hear me? Yeah, okay, great. Sorry about that. Right away, I'm establishing leader, subordinate right there. And just that, psychologically. Followed by, how have you been? That files in the brain as somebody that knows me. I've been great. Who's this? Oh, it's Johnny. Johnny with C-Level Partners. I don't know if you remember the name or the firm at all. It's It has been some time since we uh, since we reached out to you. I know I... I know I, I, I spoke to so-and-so in your organization, I want to say about three months ago. When, and, and obviously with that, having the, the data and the information of that, or, or there's might've been, you know, I might've reached out at some point and left a, maybe left one message to see if there's any callback, you know? So I like those data points, right? If, there's, if I have left message, even if it was September, August of this year, yeah, Gary, I didn't know if maybe you might have remember hearing about us or the work that we do in the industry. I know we left a message for you uh, earlier uh, earlier on in the in the second quarter of this year. We were not able to connect. Uh, but is, is C-Level Partners ring a bell? You see that tone? It's just, it's different, right? Notice, I never said, hey, Gary, how are you, Gary? It's, my name is Johnny with C-Level Partners. Is now a good time? There's no now a good time. It's never a good time. <laughs> My wife calls me, I don't know, six, seven times throughout the day to tell me different things that the kids are doing or what's going on. She's like, 
you know, she learned early on after, I don't know how many times she did it for a few years. Do you have a second? No, I never do, but carry on. <laughs> because I don't, because if I did, I would have called you, right? Of course, it's not a good time. I mean, it's just, who thinks that way? So why would people have this notion that, oh, I want to be cordial and respectful. That's why I asked. Buddy, he wouldn't pick up the phone if he was damn busy. But what about if he thought I was somebody else? Great. Be above and beyond that somebody else that they don't want to hang up the phone. You see, it's all about this. This is why when we train people, when we train Fortune 500 companies and other organizations and we train our own people, we always say, I could teach you all the tricks of the trade gear. I could teach you all the lift and different tonality and hooks and this and how to lean and rasp the voice and increase the voice, whatever it is. I could teach you all of that great inflection and what's needed. But here's the magic thing. If your mind is limited and you think it doesn't work or you think you're being rude or you think that you're less than, no matter what I teach, no matter what you can learn, you will never implement it in a sustainable fashion. That's why we changed our whole training even where we don't focus on just tone and pitch, tone and pitch, tone and pitch. We focus on how do we break through these limited beliefs that we've created our, in ourselves? This whole concept that I'm interrupting you, Mr. So important or Mrs. So important. It doesn't work that way, folks, right? And that's, that's our approach and that's how we roll when we're talking to a lot of people on the phone when we, when we train people. That's some, uh, that is some brilliant stuff. I appreciate you sharing that with that, with everybody out there. I guess, you know, we're kind of starting to run out of time. So I guess for anybody who is looking into this and says, yeah, I, I, I could, I could really use more appointments with these types of people. This is the type of organization I have. How should they get in touch with you? Well, they can, uh, first they can check us out on our website, obviously. Um, which is c-c-levelpartners.com, um, but they could dial us directly, right? They could dial us directly. At, at, you know, we're we're local. We're we're here in South Florida, five six one four one eight three six three seven. They could dial us directly. But really, check us out on on uh, on our website, also on LinkedIn. Um, you know, they could uh, go to my LinkedIn, johnnyleereynoso.com, and just you know hit me up and. You know, we'll be able to, if they can reference this podcast, obviously we'll be able to, uh, to connect with them even further, but you know, we're, we're all about helping organizations. We're always taking great calls to talk to folks and, you know, we, we, we want to help and, and, and really work with people, even if they're small companies that can't necessarily afford our services, but need some, some guidance. We're all about that because we always fall in love with the needs that our potential clients and clients have, because if that's what we do first, we could then service them no matter whether it's us directly or indirectly by referring folks that we know can help them even further. Well, that's great. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes. So if anybody is interested, they can connect with you and get in touch. So uh, Johnny, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great having you. Thanks for sharing everything. And uh, we'll have to have, on, have you on again sometime. Wonderful. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Pipelineology podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to seeing you on the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.